Glad you're here today on, on Mother's Day 2019. Well, I've been uh, preaching a series on the Holy Spirit who is our helper. And I don't know about you, but I need all the help I can get. <laughs> How about you? And the Holy Spirit is that. He is our helper through everyday life. Uh, you probably thought on Mother's Day I would uh, break and not do another Holy Spirit helper sermon, but I don't know of a better subject to talk about on Mother's Day than the helper who is the Holy Spirit. In fact, I've been holding off on this sermon until today. It's going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to get to that passage here in just a moment. Keith and Kathy were expecting a baby. Uh, Keith was calm about it, but I'm here to tell you Kathy was consumed with some kind of excitement. She was so excited to have her very first baby. And so she went out and bought every book she could find on birthing and on child rearing, and she read all those books. She combed the internet daily, finding new news to help her be the mama that she wanted to be. She even took a class on child rearing. And not only did she decorate the nursery, she decorated the whole house for this new baby. And when that big day came, they rushed to the hospital where, through pain and tears, God gave them a squalling baby boy. And they named him Samuel. He was strong and healthy. Kathy handled him like a china doll, afraid he was going to break, but that boy didn't break. I'm tired. He grew, and he grew strong. Before she wanted to, she was taking him hand in hand to kindergarten. And then Samuel zipped all the way through elementary school, and he entered high school in the 10th grade. Samuel was tall and handsome, very athletic. I mean, he got all the genes. He just, he just looked like a good-looking young man. And all the girls thought so as well. In fact, one girl in particular swept Samuel off of his feet, and his parents worried about that. But you see, for the very first time in his life, his interest in someone else exceeded his interest in them. And this girl, well, she wasn't a very good influence on Sam. They were together way too often. He was seldom at home, and when he was at home, he was up in his bedroom with the door shut. He didn't talk much, and that worried his mother. And then one afternoon, she was cleaning out his car, and she found an empty beer can in the back seat. Oh, she talked to him about it, but he swore up and down it wasn't his. It was one of his friends. Well, his grades plummeted, and his friends became unsavory. And then one night, Sam didn't come home at curfew. Guess who waited up for him? <laughs> Mama did. 12.31, 2, 2.33, 3.34... Finally, at 4.30 in the morning, he came shuffling through the door. His, his hair was a mess, his shirt was unbuttoned, and he was laughing to himself. That is, until his eyes caught his mama's eyes. And the laughing stopped. They stared at each other for a moment, and then he scurried upstairs and slammed the door behind him. Then, one month before graduation, during the dark hours of the night, the phone rang. It was the police department. Sam was in trouble, and his mother, remembering the joy of his birth and the many nights that she had rocked him to sleep and the thousands of kisses that she had given to her boy, collapsed across the bed and she sobbed. 
Her heart was broken. Any mamas know what I'm talking about? Her heart was literally broken. Now, I'm going to stop right there and, and just say that this story ended okay. This is a true story. I've changed the names to protect the innocent. that They don't go to this church, but true story. And it had a good ending, a happy ending, through the intervention of their church and their pastor and a youth minister who gave of himself. Samuel's life was turned around and everything turned out okay. But church, the point I want to make has to do with Kathy and with a mother's love. On the night of that phone call, why did Kathy feel such painful wounds in her heart? Why did she feel as if she was suffocating with anguish of soul? Well, I'll tell you why. It was because she loved that boy so much. She loved him as only a mother can love. The depth of her hurt was determined by the level of her love. You see, nothing hurts as deeply as the pain inflicted on us by the people that we love the most. How about an amen for that? Those you love the deepest can hurt you the worst. The greater the love, the greater the potential for heartbreak. And that's why some people, after a heartache, never want to establish a new relationship again. They say, nobody is going to hurt me like that again. And so they just close themselves off. The very moment you begin to love someone is the very moment that you open up your heart to pain and to hurt. And that leads us to a remarkable truth, which is the very thesis of my message today. Just as we can be deeply hurt by those that we love the most, so can God himself. Not even the Lord God Almighty is immune from this kind of pain. Because God loves us more than anybody loves us. And in doing so, God opens himself up to a deeper level of heartache than you and I can even comprehend. No one loves you like the Lord. I want to say that again. Nobody loves you like God. No one loves you like Jesus. He loves you with a motherly kind of love. I I don't really grasp a mama's love. I've seen it. I can try to understand it, but I can't really comprehend it. A mama loves on a deeper level. Ladies, I lobbed that one up for you to whack. (laughs) Amen? You, You really do. And I know in the Bible we talk about God being our heavenly father. And he is. He is in the masculine tense. He is God, the heavenly father. But there are some scriptures that refer to God as a mother. For example, in Psalm 131, David said that when he is in the arms of God, he felt comfort as a child in the arms of his mother. And because God loves us with a mother's love, his grief is just like a mother's grief whenever we break his heart. You see, the Bible says that the God who made heaven and earth can be grieved by you and by me. 
Now, I'm going to let that soak in. Just, just try to wrap your mind around this. We can grieve God the Father who created us. We can grieve God the Son who died for us. We can grieve God the Holy Spirit with whom we have been sealed with the day of redemption. And that leads us right into Ephesians chapter 4, which is our passage today. Uh, Only three verses because this sermon is going to be short, all right, and to the point. So here it is, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And then verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every other form of malice. Now, our key verse says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. That word grieve is found numerous times in the New Testament. For example, it is the word that is used about our Lord Jesus, who in the Garden of Gethsemane grieved with great sorrow. It is the word that Paul used when he talked about his grief over unbelieving Israel. And it's also the word that is used in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 when Paul tells us that when one of our loved ones die, that we should not grieve or sorrow as those who have no hope. And this passage tells us that the Holy Spirit of God can feel grief. He can hurt as you hurt when a loved one dies. He can grieve over us with sorrow and distress and heartbreak of deepest proportions. Over whom does the Holy Spirit grieve? Over people who have never accepted Jesus as personal Lord and Savior? Over people who are lost and on their way to damnation? Yes, the Holy Spirit grieves over them. But this verse teaches that he grieves the most over those in whom he lives. Do you see that? Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. In other words, church, there are things in our Christian lives which distress and grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You say, well, what sort of things? Two of them are listed in this verse. Number one, he is grieved with any unwholesome talk that comes out of our mouths. Look at verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, I've got a zero in on one word. It's the word unwholesome, unwholesome talk. In the original Greek, that is a very vivid word. It means to be rotten, putrid, spoiled. The same word was used in classical Greek to describe fish that was rotten 
or fruit that was rotten. Stinks to high heaven. Eh? Are you with me? And the Bible says our words can be like that. Our words can stink to high heaven. And when we use words like that, we grieve the Holy Spirit that's living inside of us. Preacher, be more specific. Well, let me, let me. (laughs) Those words that he's talking about that are unwholesome include profanities and obscenities. You know, we live in a society that no longer blushes at profanity. Did you know that? Television shows, movies that we go to, and even sports talk shows have turned into a cesspool of profanity. And it's just kind of filtered into the rest of our lives. Angie and I were talking about this the other day. You know, I, don't, I hate to say back in the old days, but understand I am getting old, all right? I am getting old. Profanity was not used in my house. In fact, if we use profanity in my house, (laughs) boy, knocked into next week. My sister did it one time, and I saw what happened to her, so I never, I think, that's pretty funny. But my kids are around it so much today. They hear it so frequently that I don't know that it has the same impact on them when they hear it than it has on me when I hear it. I'm appalled watching TV. I'm appalled at watching sports talk news and the profanity that comes out of that. Are are you kidding me? (laughs) We've just become used to it. Whenever you as a Christian use profanities and obscenities, it grieves the Holy Spirit that is living inside of you. Why? Because it's not just words coming out of your mouth. It's something that is deeper than that. Those are words formed in your heart, and they come out of your mouth. But but Paul seems to be referring more specifically to more than just profanities and unwholesome talk. What he's referring to here is conversations that we have with other people. And yes, they probably do include profanities. Listen to the verse again. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Now, I hate to say this, but most families have destructive communication patterns. If you were to record a week's worth of conversations that goes on in most homes in the River Valley, what you would hear is a whole lot of shouting, a whole lot of put-downs, a whole lot of nagging, and a whole lot of unpleasant words. Now, I can imagine some of you ladies saying, you're talking to my husband now, so keep preaching, preacher. Come on. (laughs) That man needs to hear what you're saying. And at the same time, the guy sitting next to you, who is your husband, say, say, boy, you're talking right at her. Come on, Rev. Come on. Come on. Let both barrels rev. Let her have it right now. 
But to both of you, I say no. Who I'm talking to is you. Who I'm talking to is me. Don't try to apply this to anybody else in the room because we're all guilty. You know what? Arguments are occasionally unavoidable. I understand that. Arguments occasionally happen. I asked Angie in the first service, caught her off guard. Tuesday of this next week, we celebrate our anniversary. How many blessed years will we have been married this coming Tuesday, baby? Huh? How many we blessed? Ble- uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. For those in the balcony, she said, we're blessed, all right? Yeah, you know, well, deduct those if you want to. How many years? 36 years. 36 on Tuesday, 36 years, we've had two arguments yeah. per day yeah. in the 36 years. Sometimes arguments are unavoidable. Can I have a big amen for that? You, you know it. They're going to happen. But we must be careful to respond to angry words and not react to angry words. And there is a huge difference between a response and a reaction. If your husband or your wife lashes out at you and says something tacky to you, it's so easy to react and answer back with something just as tacky, just as mean, equally as cutting. But you know as well as I know, it is much wiser to respond with deliberate gentleness. Why am I saying that? Well, it's because it's in the Bible. A soft answer turns away wrath. When our tongues react in anger, hurting and cutting, the Holy Spirit of God who lives inside of us groans with grief. He sighs with sorrow. Because that should not be coming out of our mouths. And when it does... It cuts the Holy Spirit. Number two, the Holy Spirit is grieved not only with unwholesome words, but with unholy attitudes. Again, look at verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of, and here are these six attitudes, get rid of all bitterness, all rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every other form of of malice. Now, if I were to tell you there is a man who, who goes into his house and takes live grenades and tosses them into the bedroom of his children, how many of you would be so angry you would want to lynch this man? Raise your hand. Wait, let's go get him right now. Let, let's go show a, a little bit of holy indignation. That is wrong. But let me ask you, how many of you do the same thing every day? We lob angry attitudes and actions and words into the lives of our family members. Some of that comes from immaturity. You know, I mean, it is. You, you, you just you haven't grown up yet. And hopefully, hopefully we'll grow up. Some of it is trained behavior. It was that way in your house when you were a kid, and you're just duplicating what your parents did. That needs to stop. You, you need to break that chain. For the rest of you, it, it may just be fatigue 
a lot of you go through life tired. In fact, some of you look really tired right, right now. We work too many hours. We have too many pressures. Our nerves are on end. And the result is we toss live grenades of anger and rage and bitterness and malice and brawling and slander, which does incredible harm in our homes and in the lives of people we say we love. This passage tells us that it grieves the Holy Spirit of God to see us behaving like this. When we allow these attitudes to get the better of us, we are allowing the devil a foothold into our homes and our lives and our families. And he wants to destroy us. So what can we do about it? Well, listen up because I'm almost done. Here's what we can do about it. We can confess it and we can come clean of it. Okay, Confess and come clean. If you've been grieving the Holy Spirit by unholy words and by unbecoming attitudes. I would suggest that here in a moment when I give the invitation, you come down and confess that to the Lord. You have a heart-to-heart with Jesus. That you use 1 John 1, 9. And can I tell you, church, I've worn that verse out in my life, but I keep using it. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's his promise. He'll cleanse us, but we got to confess. So come clean. Confess. Have a heart-to-heart with the Lord. Maybe you need to have that same heart-to-heart with the people you live with. And say, you know what? I'm I'm sorry for my bad words. I'm I'm sorry for my negative attitudes. And with your help, I am going to do better. And the way you do better is point number two. You commit the Scripture to memory. The power of memorized scripture is great enough to overcome any weakness or any sin that you have in your life. And if you're having problems with these these kind of words that we're talking about and these kind of attitudes that we've looked at, a good place to start is right here in Ephesians chapter 4. Memorize verse 29, 30, and 31. What we hide in our heart can overcome the temptation and the sin that the devil brings before us. And so we memorize the word of God. And when these temptations come, we bite our tongue and we quote scripture until God calms us down. Here we are, Mother's Day 2019. I really don't think anybody in this room would ever consciously do anything to break their mother's heart, would you? Say no, come on, no. I really don't think anyone in this room would do anything on purpose to grieve their mother. Mother, I'm sorry I broke you. I'm sorry I grieved you. Promise I'll do better. (laughs) Are you with me? We don't go around thinking, oh, how can I grieve my mama today? How can I break mama's heart now? If you do, we need to talk a little bit longer, (laughs) don't we? But what about the heart of God? What about the Holy Spirit of God? Could it be that you have been grieving the Holy Spirit of God whom you were sealed for the day of redemption? Could it be 
that by the words that you have spoken and the attitudes of your life, you have been grieving the Holy Spirit of God along with destroying your own home, your own family, and your own life. Guys, you can change that. (laughs) That's the hope of the gospel. You can change that. And you can do it now, right now. I'm going to ask.